Hi, if I've not met you before, um, my name is Hannah, and today's Bible reading is from 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 10. So if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles or on the screen behind me. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and, procl- and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Hi, everyone. It's good to be with you again. My name's Mike Sams. If I haven't met you before, it'd be great to catch up with you after the service. Um, let me pray, and then we're going to open up 1 John again. We, um, if you were here last week, you remember we started with 1 John in the first four verses, and now today we're going to uh, continue on from there. As we last week uh, started off by thinking God wants us to have fellowship with each other and him. And so Jesus actually did come into the world. So what did he do? And we're going to think about that a bit today. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we can uh, hear about how it's impacting uh, many students all uh, across the country at NTE and how we heard it uh, impact on our brothers and sisters who went, we ask now that your word will impact us as we see Jesus again and we consider how he wants to walk, uh, how he wants us to walk with him. Amen. All right, so I want to ask you, who who likes to go for walks? That's a lot of people. Um, To be honest with you, I'm not a big fan. I don't. I don't get it. You're just going somewhere. If I'm walking, I need to walk with purpose. I need to do it for a reason. So I might actually walk with those cards in my hands and put them somewhere because I get that. We want people to hear hear the gospel. And if they'd want to come to see us at Christmas, I could get on board and walk around the streets and do that. But just to walk around the streets for no reason, I, I don't get that. And I know many of you do like the old walking thing. That's okay. Um, and I'm going to walk over here because I have a purpose. I forgot the remote. So I'm just going to grab that. Um, but Jesus actually wants us today to see that he wants us to walk with him. Thankfully, it's metaphorical. Right? It's not about just walking. It's Jesus wants us to walk with him. Life is actually a walk, a walk together with each other and with Jesus. It's not like a chair. Why would I say it's not a chair? 
life, we'll see today, is not about just sitting down and letting it pass you by. And as a follower of Jesus, I just sit there and I watch as the world goes by and as Jesus has done his thing and I just meditate on it. We don't stay still. We continue on. And today, we're going to see that's actually what John wants us to see. And we're going to think about that more and more today. And so let's, uh, let's open up uh, 1 John. But if you remember last week, uh, we said that John had a real purpose for why he wrote the gospel. I don't know if anyone can remember what that purpose was. Can anyone remember? I promise not, it's not going to be a talk for the test. But can anyone remember why John wrote the letter? He wrote it because... He wanted people to just kind of think it's a good idea? Or he wrote it because he wanted people to truly know, have confidence in, as our kind of heading for this 1 John series, have confidence in that Jesus actually does give life and that we can have it. He said that in... Um, oh, uh, oh, it's not up there. We, we actually... Ha- we actually can see in 1 John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. In uh, chapter 5, verse 13. If, if God wants us to have confidence, we want to continue to think about where our confidence can lie. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to see this from the angle of, we have a problem. God's going to deal with our problem, and this has great implications on how we walk in our life. And as a Christian, how we walk with Jesus. And if we're wondering about our relationship with God, why I might consider walking that way. So what is the problem? Let's have a look up on the screen there. Oh, we've missed the... Oh, no, there it is. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness... Oh, that's a shame. There it is. It's back to front. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Why is that a problem? God is light. There's no darkness. Isn't that a good thing? Rowdy Randy, who should not get anywhere near our music, um, (laughs) he told it, God is light. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's good? Why is this a problem? God is light. That's something we should grab onto. God is perfectly good. He never does wrong. Jesus has never sinned. He lived a perfect life. Why is this a problem? We are, we can walk with Him. There is no darkness in Him. Why is this a problem? Well, to walk with God, you can't be in darkness. So if we go back, if we claim to have fellowship with Him in verse 6, We claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness. We lie and do not live out the truth. Can you see the problem? We're supposed to be in relationship with Jesus, walking with him, but he's perfectly light. 
And who here wants to put their hand up and say, you know what, I can do that because I'm perfectly light as well. Does anyone want to go that bold, go that hard? I don't think any of us would, right? We we know that there's something about us that in those of us that are good good people, that we, we do our best, maybe most of us here, uh, you know, we, we try to be genuinely nice, good people. And rest of society, we try and contribute. We love. We genuinely care for others. We could say that's who we are. But we know we're not perfect. And then if we dig a little deeper into what John is saying when he says we actually have a problem, is that we not only aren't perfect, when it comes to God, we're totally out of step with Him. We're not in a right relationship with Him because we live a life that could be in all sorts of ways in rebellion to Him without Jesus. It takes different shapes, doesn't it? It could be that you've just decided, I don't want anything to do with Him. I just, I can't get my head around him. I'm happy to be ignorant of him. I don't think he existed. Actually, I just want to live a different life to the way he tells me to live. I think it makes no sense. I just want to live my own way. I'm happy to be in rebellion, even though I wouldn't call it rebellion. I'm just doing what I want to do. I'm doing me. That's fine. But the problem is, a relationship with Jesus means walking in the light with him. And we can't do that. Actually, the picture that the Bible paints is that we're out of step with God. The word that has so much depth to it has three letters, sin. It's not just about doing wrong things, as sometimes we could think. It's more than that. From the moment first the first sin happened when Adam and Eve decided, actually, no, God, we'll go our way. It has totally shaped our world and caused something full of light that God has made to have darkness in it that we are part of the problem of. And so we can't claim to have fellowship with him on our own back, can we, and say there's no darkness in us. The problem is real. And the Bible addresses this problem in many different ways. I'm sure... I'm sure. Um, uh, you guys and girls who went to NTE saw that in all sorts of different ways in the way that we've turned away from God. Whenever you open up the Bible, this problem is real. Whether it's we can't reach God's holiness to the way that we live our lives in not living God's ways to just out and out rebellion to breaking a relation. It's so many different ways. The problem, however it express, is real. The question is, do you think it's your problem? What are you going to do about it? Well, that's totally the wrong question. The more important question is, what does God do? What does God do? See, in 1 John 1, seven, we read, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, this seems strange, I reckon. Now, if you come to church often, you've probably heard the whole Jesus dying blood thing. 
But if you just try to step out of that for a moment and just think, okay, I'm, I have no concept of any of that stuff that I've been brought up in or that I've come to learn, and you just read the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin, gee, it seems a weird, doesn't it? How is the blood of Jesus, blood cleaning, purifies cleaning? How could that possibly be? And yet, this is what God has done. The whole point that we emphasized last week of Jesus coming wasn't so that we had God just being with us and we could relate to him, but because he went to the cross to die for us. What is going on? Now, as we read the Old Testament and, and, and delve into it, sometimes we think, what is that is such a big complex ideas that are going on and and one thing you'll discover very quickly if you read uh, many of the ways that God uh, told his people to interact with him is that sacrifices are needed animal sacrifices are needed and at the heart of these sacrifices was blood blood was important it was the thing that God used ceremonially for his people to cover themselves uh, from their sin. Let me read to you Leviticus uh, chapter 17 verse 11 just one verse because I think this highlights for us why blood is so important. Chapter 17, verse 11. This is in a book of the Bible where um, uh, God is telling his people, this is how you're going to relate to me. All these things you're going to do, this is how we're going to relate. And so all these sacrifices, why is blood so important? In verse 11, for the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. That is, atonement, which uh, is in, in chapter 2, verse 1, that we'll get to maybe some later time next year, is covering over of sins, to deal with sins. And this sacrifice, blood, is the thing that deals with it. And so this whole process that God had set up for his people in the Old Testament was a way that they could relate to God and this kind of walking with God somehow was going to help by having animal sacrifices but it doesn't really work really because they're animals and we're humans who have a relationship with God but we're not a sheep or a goat it was a symbolic ceremonial sacrifice pointing to something that was coming. And here we see John say, what I have seen, Jesus dying on the cross, was the fulfillment of all those sacrifices because the blood of Jesus, his son, the king, purifies us, cleanses the thing that we, uh, that we need cleaning our guilt before God, our rebellion against Him. And it, it's not just a good washing. Now, one of the problems I have when I wash uh, clothes, that's funny, when I wash clothes, I do very little washing of the clothes, when Jen washes the clothes, is that invariably, once I put it on again, within a very short period of time, it gets dirty again. And it needs washing. <laughs> I need continual washing, otherwise my clothes descend into absolute chaos. That's just the way it is, right? That's probably a lot for all of us. Whether I'm playing sport, whether I'm eating food, or whether I just seem to be doing nothing, I get dirty. 
and only continual over and over and over sacrificing. We don't need continual over and over and over sacrificing. We don't need to continually have God uh, purify us because we get in and out of relationship with God. It says, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It is done on the cross. Jesus doesn't need to come again, die on the cross again, and keep doing that over and over and over again. We don't need any ceremonies. We don't need any sacrifices to represent that, to reenact it, to make it real again. It's done. God is saying, I have come into the world, and your problem I will deal with. Isn't that not extraordinary? You see, sin was such a bad problem. I reckon John, as he's talking about this, is remembering what Jesus said. And in his gospel, in in John chapter 8, he talks about uh, uh, God being light. Jesus actually said he is light. That's funny, isn't it? Because now he's talking about uh, God is light. He says he, he would remember it. Jesus said, I am light. But do you know what he says after that? He's talking about their relationship and he, and he remembers that actually you have a big problem with me. That you are actually got a real problem with sin. Jesus actually said to them, to, the, to those who didn't like him, the, the Pharisees, in uh, chapter 8, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins, here's the offensive hard bit, ready? Is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a song belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is saying, this problem of me being light, you being in darkness is so bad, you are stuck in it. You cannot but only walk in sin. That's what slavery to sin means, is that that is the option you've got without me. But I'm so desperate for that to not be the case, I want to free you from that. And if in me, you trust in me, you are free from sin. The Son frees you indeed, Jesus says. And John, who recalls that in his gospel, is trying to give uh, his readers confidence And he says, the blood of Jesus purifies you. It cleans you. You are free from that slavery. You can walk in the light the way God wants you to. Because he's done it. What a brilliant thing. And that means that we can actually think about what this means. Can you see how I've just started to already highlight that? John, in chapter 7, in verses 7 to 10 interspersed with this whole being purified, um, highlights what this means. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So he's talking to Christians, and they know that Jesus' blood has been uh, shed for them. And so he says, you can walk in the light because you have fellowship with one another, because I'm reminding you, the blood of Jesus' son purifies us from all sin. And so we don't claim not to sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, the life we live has nothing to do with how good we are. 
It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. Walking with Jesus is not about being a better person in God's eyes. It's about trusting in what Jesus has done and wanting to live for him. Can you see that slight difference? One is you're trying to earn your favor with God. Okay, what I'm hearing now is Jesus has done this great thing for me, so I better make sure I'm okay, so I'll be, I'll be gooder. <laughs> I'll be better. I'll, I'll, I'll actually, I won't swear as much. I'll be nicer to the person I really don't like at work. I, I'll be a better husband, a better wife. I'll be a better kid. I'll, I'll, do, I'll actually study hard. Then God maybe will like me better. That's not walking the way of Jesus. Walking the way of Jesus is... Jesus has died for me. I can walk in the light and we can do this together. And so now, what is it that he wants? Because that's what I want. And that's what I want to foster in my heart. And that will mean I'll change, but I won't do it to earn his favor because he's already given me a relationship. I want to think about how I can please him because that's what matters to me now. Because I have life into eternity, as we saw last week. You see, what does this look like? Now, last week when we looked at one, John, we said, John goes around in many, many circles uh, in this gospel. He's, you know, and there's lots of themes, you know, light and dark, as we've seen today. But he talks about this whole living in the world way and living in the light throughout this letter. Like in uh, chapter 2, verse 15, let me read it to you and see if this helps shed light on how we walk. He says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world... Love for the Father is not in them. For everything is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. You see, the passion that we have is not the way that the world wants to live. And if you're wondering whether you love God or not, that niggling doubt you have, Do you trust in Jesus and want to foster living for his way and not the world's way? That's what it looks like. So what is this walking direction? What is it characterized by? Well, right down the bottom of that verse, can you see there in verse 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. See, walking in the light is different for us, is different in one way to the way Jesus walks in the light. Jesus' walking in the light never requires him to stop, cast his eyes to his Father and say, I got it wrong. I humbly have to confess my sins. Jesus never does that, thankfully, because otherwise we couldn't have a relationship with him. But for us, if we're truly walking in the light, we know we are not perfect. I think you already committed to that with me earlier when you were, yeah, of course we're not. But we're in rebellion to God. The Christian life is a life of confessing the times when we get it wrong because we want to live in his way. And we do it knowing forgiveness has been given and is often and is always there. Can you see that difference? 
It's so often the misconception of what Christianity is, is that Christianity is about doing good and when you get it wrong, you ask for forgiveness and then God might be okay with you and uh, can we have confidence or not? That's not it at all. Jesus has already gone to the cross. If he's willing to do that and he says that forgiveness comes through that, I think we can rest in his forgiveness. So, what does this mean? I've got just a couple things of reflection for you to take home with you today. Let this just uh, phrase just kind of wash over you for a moment. Walking with Jesus is not about being perfect or even just good enough to earn his favour. If we... if if you're, if you're a Christian, you probably thought of that a lot and thought, yeah, I believe that, I believe that. But I want to suggest to you, there are times in your life when you just let that eat away and it's not as real and as present in your life as we want it to be. Not holding on to this fervently can be the thing that cripples Christians and in our relationship. It can be the big trap when we go, yeah, yeah, I believe that, but if I just do these things, that will please God. Where do you do that in your life? Turning from that. And not understanding this can be the thing for many of us who don't want to follow God can completely misunderstand about the Christian faith. God is saying to us, I have dealt with your sin." I want you just to trust in me. I want you to come to me. I know who you are. Whether you tell me or not, I know. But if you confess, if you come to me and say, I give up the world's way. I don't want to live that way. You have a relationship with me. The fellowship that I so desperately want you to have is guaranteed. It's not about you and God. It's about God and what he's done for you. John always is talking about this. He talks about this all the time when he gets stuck into love throughout this passage and love and hate. In chapter chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, he says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Ready? This is what love is? Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's God first. And we respond with just overwhelmingly, overwhelming amazement and joy at what he's done for us. What does this mean? It means we can have real confidence in the forgiveness God promises. See, John's so desperate that people may know that they have eternal life, that they can have real gospel confidence. The one thing that could eat away at us is, what if there is no forgiveness? I know that I've not lived a perfect life. But what was said back in chapter uh, in verses 8 and 9, is that Jesus doesn't just forgive sins, 
I left out a little word before it, didn't I? If we confess our sins in verse 9, he is faithful and just and will, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's done. It is real. It is assured. If Jesus goes to the cross, and this is how he shows us love, and it deals with our sin, do you really think when he promises something and he's perfectly good, he's never done anything wrong, including never lying, and he says, I promise forgiveness, it is done. What more confidence could we have? That's why when we... um, partake in the Lord's Supper together. Another weird thing Christians do, but it's so profound and so brilliant, where we remember that Jesus died for us, that his body and blood at the cross was for us. Before we do that, we confess we confess our sins before God because we know that his death has, uh, has dealt with it for us. It's not a special ceremony. If we eat and drink and don't acknowledge that we need Jesus' death, it's, it's actually significant when we remember that we've sinned and forgiveness is given and guaranteed. That is why a little bit later when we uh, partake in it, we will actually see, we will confess our sins together because we're in fellowship with God together. That is why those words are so significant. That's why we say, Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, you made everything and you're the judge of everyone. We confess with the shame the sins we have committed in our thoughts, in our words and in our actions. We know that you would be just to punish us. We are so sorry for our sins and we truly turn from them now. Because of Jesus, please forgive us and please empower us to live for him now. And so honour you with our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. We're going to say those words together later. And it's not just something we do and go through the motions. They are profound because what we're doing together is saying, Jesus has dealt with our sin. And we, with sincere, humble regret, confess, acknowledging our sin, not to go into a spiral of guilt because we know one John. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Today could be the day that you say that prayer for the first time. Where you realize, Jesus has done this and I don't need to do anything for it. That can be it today for the first time. And then it's a life of confession to God as we grow and as we change and we become more like him and we turn from walking the the path of uh, uh, destruction, of darkness, of sin to wanting to walk in the light Jesus' way. So can I encourage you to live a life of confession. That means you get up out of the chair and you walk with Jesus and with each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is extraordinary what you have done. That you love us so much, that you are so mindful of us, that you would die 
You send your son to die for us, that his blood would purify us. And while there's much more we can learn and delve into on how that actually works, we just want to stop now and pause and thank you. That forgiveness is guaranteed. That we can respond in absolute joy and confidence knowing what Jesus has done. Help us to live a life, a life walking in the light, a life of confession and confidence in the forgiveness that's given, trusting in Jesus always. Amen.